Welcome to Highway to Well, a new podcast from Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, the founders of the iconic juice brand Blueprint. Hear their candid conversations and tales from the trenches as they swap stories with entrepreneurs and wellness leaders alike. Tune in weekly as they inform and amuse. And now, here's Zoe and Erica. This is going to be interesting. Maybe we'll have a debut. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe and this will be my recording contract. The song, I don't know, start with something easy, you know, little Billy Joel. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to go kind of like the karaoke bar route with my content and not necessarily go in there with like rent because I will not make any friends that way. Now I know to get you a pitch pipe for your birthday. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Speaking of friends. You like that transition? Yeah, it was really <laughs> super seamless. <laughs> so we sat down with the Saqqara Life ladies, Danielle and Whitney. Yes. And they are lovely. They're very lovely. They're very blonde. They're very ethereal. They're very... It helps when, when you're also like one of them is like very pregnant. Yes. Um, so they had this sort of like, you know goddess kind it of like little, earth mother thing happening. <laughs> it was a little goddessy. There was like a halo when they walked out of the yeah. elevator into the fluorescent lights. It's also, it's called a pregnant glow. Right. But, but Whitney had it too. Whitney had it too. She, Maybe she's pregnant and doesn't she, know it. She had glow by proxy. <laughs> she had, what is it? The um, Osmosis glow? Mm-hmm. Glosmo- you had it when I was pregnant. I did. I totally did. Mm-hmm. People were like, how far along are you? And yeah. I was like, go oh, fuck yourself. You're like, I'm just drinking for two. I'm just bloated. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I did do that. Did you get any kind of like vicarious buzz from hanging out with me? Yeah, I would sometimes lick the olives out of your martini. You did. Oh my God, you totally did that. Mm-hmm. I let it you was, lick my olives. It's disgusting. <laughs> it was so good at the time, but it was really just... I think it was good for baby, ultimately. I, I think it was good too. for baby. Yeah, small doses. <laughs> um, I feel like that should go somewhere in our bio. Like, she let me lick her olives. It's disgusting. <laughs> if this is getting like real and fill my holes. Um... <laughs> But they also, the Sakara ladies, fill each other's holes the way that we do. Just so everybody knows, filling each other's holes is more of like, you know, a you complete me kind of thing. Yes. Um, it's called, it means, you know, you are complimentary. And they, you know, actually, we talked a lot about, because Erica and I are work wives, and we are, I think we have very complimentary skill sets and, and personalities are very complimentary. And the Sakara ladies are also very complimentary. And they're, you know, just yet another example of two women who are, you know, crushing it in business in this sort of like co-CEO, co-founder role. So it can be done. Women are not catty bitches. They're actually, <laughs> you know, it's actually an asset, which we talk a lot about, which I love. But I think it is interesting that some female partnerships are really strictly partnerships, and there's no real kind of social undercurrent outside like of, like, the norm. Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker. Exactly. Co-workers, and then they just talk shit about each other in the press. And then I think the Sakar ladies are an example. Like, they grew up together. So, you know, you and I go back quite some time. They grew up yep. together. They're, like, best friends. They were each other's, you know, person for everything, going through their whole process, moving to New York, going through their kind of life crises, you know, their rock bottoms at the same time, all of that, which certainly makes for an even more compelling story and, and mission to, to launch a business. And then I feel like we sort of sit somewhere in between, which is that we each have our own circle of friends. There's a lot of overlap in that now, which I think is really nice. We're going to talk about it. So yeah. Let's get to it. Yeah. We are super excited to officially finally be in the same room with you guys with Danielle Dubois and Whitney Tingle, co-founders of Sakara, Sakara Life, Sakara 
Yeah. All what of do you say, Sakara life or Sakara? Depends on the day and yeah, the and the context. But we usually say Sakara, and then usually when we're talking about it formally, then it's Sakara life. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but you're co-founders of all of them, so there's yes. so. yeah, there. <laughs> Every version. So welcome to the Highway to Well podcast. Thanks, we are excited to meet you guys. Like the fact that we haven't been in the same room together I know. yet is insane. It's too much synergy. Yeah. 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 We're excited. Um, okay. So how did you guys meet? And then at what point did you decide to Sakara it up? So Danielle and I grew up together in Sedona. And so we were exposed to lots of different ways of thinking from an early age. And a big part of the general philosophy in the town was that food was powerful and that you should be eating natural food. But it was a great place with really knowledgeable people talking about food, talking about herbs and supplements and how nature can heal your body. So we grew up together. Yeah, my mom was, you know, the type that would grind her own peanut butter and make me that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that the bread had all the twigs and berries sticking out of it and nobody wants to trade with you at school lunch. (laughs) And we both moved to New York for different reasons. Danielle moved out first to go to school. She was studying medicine pre-med. And I moved out uh, to work on Wall Street. I thought I wanted to be like a Susie Orman. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched her. Uh, yes, Ooh. we do. You just yeah. wanted you to are denied. <laughs> <laughs> so wanted to help people, empower people with through their finances, be able to take control of their own life uh, through their finances. And came out to work on Wall Street. And it's just a very different culture out here, very different pace. I had to immediately start drinking coffee to keep up with everybody else who's drinking six cups of coffee a day. And I fell into this life cycle of not getting enough sleep, making the wrong food choices because it was what was available and in front of me. So we officially met in the seventh grade in math class. Awesome. Whitney was the new girl in school and borrowed a pen. Borrowed a pen or hopefully a pencil in math class. And it was a friendship from then on. Yeah. So I moved here for school and she moved here after. And she was deciding between L.A. and New York. And I was like, please come to New York. I've been here for a couple of years. And um, so she moved out here and I told her, you know, don't bring anything because you're going to live like, with me. Sleep in my bed, wear yeah. all my clothes, don't bring anything. No, really, don't bring anything because there's, no, there's space no room. <laughs> no room. You know, we were living together at, at that time. And yeah, I was working the this crazy work schedule and trying to keep up with this new lifestyle. And I found myself in a place where I just, I, I was kind of burnt out and I, I didn't know what to do. My body was resisting, rejecting this type of life that was going on in ways that showed up as terrible cystic acne on my face, a lot of weight gain and bloat. I was tired. I had anxiety. Um, I had female imbalances. And, you know, I, I came to New York and I had been fighting with some of these before. I had battled with cystic acne for since since high school, really. But at this point, it was really at its worst. It was affecting my self-esteem. It was affecting my career. It was affecting my love life. But I, I thought, I'm in New York City. Somebody here is going to have the cure. Somebody's going to have the answer. This is all the smartest people in the world are in New York City, right? And so I went around to all these fancy dermatologists and 
paid them a lot of money to try all these different types of Did you ever do the big Accutane? Did you do it? I did. Yeah. Oof. And it didn't work. It didn't work. No. No. You know, but with the Accutane, they also give you Prozac because suicide is a common side effect. They put you on birth control, synthetic hormone pills, and have you sign a contract saying if you get pregnant, you'll have an abortion because your baby comes out with birth defects. That was the solution. I, I tried everything else after that to not do it again. Right. So I did these crazy lasers that left scabs on my face. I did all different types of other pills, antibiotics, you know, all the tetracycline, aminocycline, you name it, I did it. You know, I, I basically, the doctors were like, the only thing left for you to do is to do Accutane again. And I was so frustrated, feeling like this is just trying to treat the symptoms on my face, but it feels like something bigger is going on inside of my body. And I need to figure out what that is and get down to the root cause and treat that. Because Accutane, it it shrinks your oil glands from the inside, essentially, and which is why it dries out your skin so much. Mm-hmm. And you need that oil as you age to keep your skin moisturized and everything and young and fresh. Um, and so I was thinking, like, we need to go back to what I know to be true. And that's, you know, from our upbringing, what we learned in Sedona and, and look to nature and my body and my food to heal myself. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be the right timing. Yeah, we hit rock bottom together. What was your rock bottom? bottom. In our little Soho apartment. Yeah. The family of mice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I moved to New York to study medicine, but I'd been battling with body image issues since, you know, I'm trying to remember like where it started, but I remember being nine years old and going to Costco with my mom and trying to hide diet pills in the cart. (laughs) Um, which, you know, was not that smart because Costco work. only sells like 40,000 pills at <laughs> right. once, so it's really hard to hide. But, you know, it really just in it, it's so telling that at that age I, I felt like I wasn't good enough, pretty enough, thin enough. At nine? At nine. Ah, that's so upsetting. I know, yeah. I know. And how that manifested over the following decades was dieting. Like mm-hmm. I just turned to... Instead of food as medicine, I really turned to food as the enemy. At the same time, I was working in a hospital, and I was seeing patients with late-stage lifestyle diseases. So I was shadowing a cardiologist at the time, and you know, you'd see people with really in bad heart disease. You would see diabetes. And it was so late-stage that the only intervention was really pharmaceutical drugs or, in some cases, surgery. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, these are lifestyle diseases. So who gets to these people before it's late stage? Because by by name, the idea that you, if you change your lifestyle, then perhaps you can change the disease or the outcome of the disease or the severity of the disease. Um, and, you know, I really hit my rock bottom right around when Whitney did because I decided to do a water fast. I went to this retreat in Southern Arizona, which I think is not no longer, right? I think they're focusing on curing diabetes through fasting now. I think that that's what they always did, which is weird because it's like I, I found this place, but it, they were focused on healing people from diabetes and cancer, which I, I thank goodness had neither. But what it was was a 21-day retreat. The first seven days you did a water fast, and then the following two weeks you did all raw food. And I really just saw it as an excuse to not have to worry about food for 21 days. And I was convinced that I would come out of it with, like, 
this new kind of body, this new relationship to myself, which I did. It just wasn't the one that I thought I was going to have. So I did the water fast. I ended up very, very, very sick. I flew back home to New York and went to my normal healers, acupuncture, blah, 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 to try and get better. I had a fever. I couldn't really keep food down. My belly was super descended, like I wasn't digesting food. Like I'm nine months pregnant right now. And this is like kind of what I looked By like. By the way, do tomorrow. Yeah, do tomorrow. Anything could happen right <laughs> now. <laughs> Anything could happen. And Whitney took me to the hospital. She was like, no more acupuncture. Like something's really wrong with you. I'm worried about you. And so she did. And I had pneumonia and I also had, you know, what they call IBS, which is basically a blanket statement for we have no idea mm -hmm. what's going on. Um, and that was a big aha moment for me where I just decided like I could no longer live with food as the enemy, that I had to find my lifestyle solution and that, you know, back to our roots, food is medicine. So how do how do I get back to this idea of food is medicine instead of food is the enemy? So I, I transferred and I studied nutrition instead of going to med school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really, we we wanted to figure out what does ultimate nutrition look like? Like, what is the food that we should all be eating regularly on the everyday basis and how can we do that and make it so that it's not a diet but really a way of life but when you were thinking about all this i mean <clears throat> was the mindset it, it sounds like it was initially it focused right it was it yeah. was to help yourselves and it was yeah. to kind of find your own center again and then from there i assume sprang this idea of oh well it's working for us so who else can it work for exactly exactly we like to call it turning our mess into our mission <laughs> you know i never thought that i would spend the next 10 years of my life talking about my deepest insecurities, right. which were how I looked and my relationship to food. And, you know, now I, I feel like a completely different person and I've healed that relationship. But at the time it was like, that was what I didn't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so really turning our mess into our mission and hopefully helping other people mm -hmm. who have some variation of mm -hmm. what we went through heal themselves. Well, like and to your credit, both of you, I mean, for being so incredibly honest and open about it is obviously we appreciate that, but I think anybody will appreciate that the real true roots of, of what this story is and what this, this concept and this mm -hmm. company is because it's not know, an empty promise. Right. You know, this was the only, thing that would finally clear my skin mm -hmm. and get rid of the acne for good. And, you know, and I realized that, like, it wasn't just clearing the acne. It was also getting rid of the bloat, letting all of my excess weight fall off, getting rid of my anxiety, mm -hmm. which I didn't realize all of those things were connected uh, until I healed my gut and my digestive system, flooded my body with all of these nutrients, all of the different pieces that go into eating the Sakara Life way. So we share our stories as like, this is an example of how it worked for us. And for a while, it was just our stories. And then we had a few more stories. And now what's amazing is that we, you know, we send out thousands and thousands of meals to people all across the country every week. And they like to write in with their stories of how it's helped people basically cure their autoimmune diseases, help women get pregnant after being told that they would never be able to. Um, has helped people with 
insomnia, with tons of different types of skin problems. I'm sure people are getting off mental, medication right and left. Yeah, yeah, mental health problems. And also just helping people feel better. Or have more energy. Yeah, or like feel confidence. sexier and have a better relationship to food and not yeah. to spend all that time worrying about what's on their plate. And it's about prevention, right? I mean, that's just such mm-hmm. a big piece of the puzzle. I think that people are, you know, I think slowly figure it out. But mm-hmm. having a similar experience and at the Ann Wigmore Institute, Mm. For a, you know, I was there for a very long time, and I thought it was going to be a little bit more luxurious. And I got there, and I was ditto. Like, Whoa, this is. Are we bankrupt? What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, it's like a not-for-profit. So basically, there were like ten of us, and everyone else there was terminal. Yeah, I just wanted to learn more about raw food and take a break from my New York City mm. hardcore lifestyle. Right, and so. It was really sad. It was really eye-opening. I mean, some people yeah. were definitely cured. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were people who arrived with cancer and no longer had it. I remember this one kid who was 18, and he came all the way from, I think, Belgium, and he had taken out basically half of his colon, I think, mm-hmm. already. And so he was coming there. It was like everything was a lot. I was like, why is this the last resort mm-hmm. for everybody? Mm-hmm. Why isn't this the first mm-hmm. step? Like, why isn't this before you go to a doctor? No, it's so true. And so this poor kid was the only one who they they had to just send him home because he couldn't eat he anything. Couldn't digest he any couldn't digest it. anything. It and it was just heartbreaking because he's like 18. I mean, it was such mm-hmm. a it was such a reminder, even just being there, the the importance of food as medicine and how we've gotten so away from that because we're so disassociated with our plate. Like we order something and it just shows up or we need something and it's on the grocery store. And I think because of that and because of convenience and because of um, kind of like chef culture and that food should be about pleasure and taste good, which, yeah, all of those things. But first and foremost, like it's the thing that's informing your health or your disease every single day. And I try to help people understand that by saying, like, if you have a headache and you take Advil, you understand that the Advil is going through the same digestive process that, you know, your bowl of kale or your bowl of ice cream, whatever you choose, is also going through. Because I think sometimes people really forget that every bite has an impact on your health. Mm -hmm. And I think they just think of it in terms of calories and energy. Mm -hmm. It's like if I'm hungry, I just, you know, need to eat for energy. But it's really not true. It's actually you're eating for health. And information. Yeah, I had a really disturbing conversation with um, a nurse who was in training, an almost nurse. And she was just like, it was just the other day, she was like talking about how she's just like not into vegetables. I was like, that's such a bizarre thing to say, but go on. For an adult, (laughs) yes. Yes, for an adult. And she's like, you know what? Your genes are your genes. You're going to get what you're going to get. What century? My brain just like exploded. But yeah, so it's I mean, very we troubling. know that that's not true. There are still so many people like her who yeah. don't know that. There's still so much educating to be done. And anybody who's in this business, I think it's their it's their right, but it's also their responsibility to sort of disseminate that information. Mm-hmm. You guys are doing a great job of it. I mean, I think that, you know, you see examples now, thank God, that there is this rising tide of like, not only are we putting a product in your hands that's yeah. delicious and all of those things and there's some money to be made, but we're also informing you and we're also giving you the tools so that you don't make terrible decisions. Ultimately, what we are as a company is an education platform. We want to inform people on how to live their best life, how to feel better, how to use food as medicine, as a tool in their life to, to live their dream life, their Saqqara life. And our delivered nutrition program that we offer is really a convenience tool to you. 
But if you want to learn, we also have tools. If you want to just cook for yourself, but learn how to do it in the Saqqara way, then we also have products like our 10-day reset kit that is going to teach you that information and give you recipes so that Mm -hmm. you can learn to do it on your own. Because ultimately, we want to help as many people as possible feel like they're best in their Mm -hmm. bodies. Um, And so we're about the education piece so much. And then the meal delivery is about giving you that convenience straight Mm -hmm. to your door. Well, and I think you have to really understand the why. You know, we get a lot of people that come to us and, you know, they're looking for an outcome like weight loss and they'll say, okay, you know, I want to lose weight. And it's like, and they, they're usually the people that are like, how many calories are in this? Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about calories and we don't talk about calories because it's, it's not a metric of helping you get anywhere except go crazy and count calories Mm -hmm. all day. So I always tell those people, it's like, that's, you're not actually looking to come to us and count calories and wonder how many calories you're having every single day. My guess is you're coming to us because you want to feel better in your body. You want to feel sexier. You want to look a certain way. Maybe you're looking for a little more power in your life or whatever it is. But let's find that why, because that's the why that's going to get you out of the diet cycle. It's going to like be the thing that pulls you through in the moments that get hard because there are always hard moments. But that was one of my aha moments when we decided to start Sakara and I had my transformation was just realizing that my why had been all wrong, that I thought I was not good enough, not enough, blah, blah, blah. And instead I had to think about how do I actually want to feel? And I wanted to feel better in my body. I wanted to feel more confident. And what are the ways that I'm going to get there instead of focusing on the weight loss, on the calories, and really get back to this idea of, you know, abundance instead of, I think a lot of people look at um, diets and how to get uh, results and they think, what do I need to take out? What do right. I need to not do? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really finding your why, whatever your why is, is the thing that really motivates people to keep doing this because the whole point is that it's a lifestyle choice. So you are what you do the majority of the time. It's not a fall on and off a wagon type of thing. Yeah, that was always a tough conversation for us to have too. Mm-hmm. It was like the obsession over like how many calories are like in the it's early crazy. days when it was just direct to consumer. And we finally were like, I remember like writing that copy so specifically. It's like, it's not what we're focusing on. Right. But if you insist, it's like we were just inundated with like how mm-hmm. many calories are in It's the number one question we get, I'd say. Yeah. It's it's like you're on a, you're doing a juice cleanse. Yeah. Why do you care about calories? <laughs> right. like, what? We're not even talking about food. Yeah. Right. Let's go to that moment, though, because the business was born. And then, mm-hmm. like, what were, the, what were the early days like? I mean, we certainly remember, like, rolling up our sleeves and <laughs> juicing things ourselves. <laughs> yes, and I delivery. have had, you know, my actual blood, sweat, and tears in their juice <laughs> very like, early on. Getting into yeah, no, zip cars and driving before around. Before came along. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> before we knew what HACCP was. HACCP's not listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but like, you anymore, HACCP? <laughs> what were those? I want to know, like, what was, like, the, the kind of gritty stuff that happened in those like first that. blood, sweat, and tears Mm -hmm. and everything. We were our own chefs. You know, we were the chefs. We were the accountants. We were the delivery people. We really started off of nothing. We just put our own $700 into it that we got from throwing a party, (laughs) a dinner party, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and charged our friends to come. Nice. And that was really what got us our first start, which we made our own website. We bought our domain name, made some marketing cards, uh, and just put it out there, and one client turned into two, and two cl- turned into four. And you know, we didn't realize it at the time, but you don't. Your marketing is your product, and when you have a product that 
changes people's lives, it can just catch on like wildfire mm-hmm. if it delivers on its promise. So, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like being an entrepreneur is so sexy and being glamorized right now. And people are all saying like, you can do it too. But I think that people don't talk enough about how really hard it is. Like you have to be willing to put that blood, sweat, and tears, like give your own blood into certain things. Literally. Like, yes. yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, walk into the walk-in cooler and cry when you see the cauliflower is molded and be willing to deal with all sorts of employees and uh, clients yelling at you and whatever else and like get through those moments when you feel like the world is just crashing down and it's never going to be okay and I can't do this anymore right. and then get up the next day and do it again. And you right. know well, it's real the- when you're crying over cauliflower, I think. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> how you know you're invested. Walking. I mean, it, to your point, it's like being an entrepreneur, the, the idea is that you get to wear a lot of hats, but the flip side of it is that you have to wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's no safety net. No one else is going to cry over the cauliflower. So, so how do you guys... I also believe that no amount of money is going to do it for you either. Like, that no. you can't no. just hire away no, you your problems. You can't just throw money at a problem. Because no one is going to care as much as you. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, well, and thank God. Like, I'm so grateful that we started it the way we did and that, you know, we didn't just out of the gate decide to raise money. And we just learned so much. So even though at the time, part of the time we were cooking out of our own kitchen, then we built our own kitchen. Pass up warning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then now, you know, now it's... We have over 100 employees and it's its own thing. There are still things that we know just because we did it ourselves at the beginning. So it doesn't matter how big we get or how much things change or the processes change. There are just things we know because we've done it before. And I'm just so grateful that we have that experience. And isn't it nice having a partner and have that brain trust? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's like the most reassuring thing. Because you know that at the very least there is someone else who cares just as much as you do. For sure. But that's one of the keys to a good partnership is having an equal amount of care and dedication. And... Yeah, we get that question a lot of like, how's what is it like to start a business with your best friend? And, you know, we always say, one, I think it was really important that we both started out on equal planes. Like we both had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) So it wasn't like I came to it with, you know, five more years experience. Like, you know, no one was the boss. No one knew more. We were so dedicated to just. And we were both broke. But Mm -hmm. I think really what really helped us in the partnership was the trust together and then feeling like we were on this mission together. And there were days where I was like, I don't even know what we're doing. Like, are we delivering salads to people? Like I, I like would have these like breakdown moments. I'd be like, is that what we are? Like, are I'm we so grub confused. Hub? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Whitney would, would pull me through and remind me what we're doing. And then, you know, something else would happen and she'd be like, or a client would write in <clears throat> and be like, Oh my gosh, you just saved my life, you know, and would tell us their story through this email and and we'd be crying and be like, ah, oh, we have to keep going. There's no giving up right now. Yeah, but you get really back in that to. walk-in. Yeah. <laughs> keep chopping right kale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the partnership is like there were days where she just had her doubts and I mm-hmm. could show up for her. And mm-hmm. so I think having that person is just it's been invaluable to have that kind of trust and partnership. And have the space to be able to feel 
Like have like, your doubts. Yeah, and, and, and have your down days. Yes, totally. And just be able to rely on the other person to step in for you and to stand up and to be able to hold up the business on your down days is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Your work wife. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if we failed, Man. we failed together. Somehow, failing as a as a team was team was less frightening yeah. than. Of course, it is. It's yeah. just it's nice to know that you're there's always somebody in your boat. Mm-hmm. I think people didn't like, especially when we were sort of having conversations with potential investors, which thankfully we never had to take on investment. But we played a lot in that area, and the question was always like. I think it irritated people that there were two of us and mm-hmm. that we considered each other like co like partners, like equal totally. partners. And they're just like, how do you divide your responsibilities yeah. and who does what? Like, I don't get, I get it. People that. need oh, no, so I know much that. overlap. I understand why people. And everybody we, no. wants to believe like, oh, Whitney, you were in finance. You must take care of right. the business side of things. Right. And Danielle, you went to nutrition school, so you must be taking care of all of the food and the right. nutrition. They side just of want things. to put you in a box. Yeah, and we're like, no, no, it doesn't really work like that. We're almost like one person. Well, because you're with founders. double the amount of power. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And double the amount of work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like uh, we both equally know every part of the business. Right. And, you know, we can stand in into any any place needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny because I think a lot of potential investors looked at that as redundancy. Yeah. And inefficient. And I think... From our point of view, that was empowering. It was the complete opposite. And I think that's why it was so irritating. I think it's also a very uh, feminine way of looking at business. You know, I always think about things like business typically is, you know, been run and founded by men and designed by men. And I think it tends to work in more 90 degree angles, like black and white, yes or no. And I think the way, the more feminine approach is, you know, I think about things in circles and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just a, there's a different way of containing the amount of work, um, what has to be done. We're never doing the same thing. Right. You know, like, and to your point, like that was people's fear, like, oh, how do you, but how do you know who's doing what? And it's like, it's not science. It's just, we have this, yeah. And we have this kind of flow together that, makes sure that never happens and I think it's it's an asset instead of the yeah. opposite. And we got really lucky with our investors. We did take on investment and our investors love that there's two of us and they see that as a benefit and they I don't know, they get us uh in a way that a lot of other people didn't or haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, but we were very picky when it came to who we wanted to bring into our Sakara family, uh, as it is another form of marriage. They become another partner. Mm-hmm. They have another say at the table. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to be very particular and picky. And, you know, we were very lucky with the people who, who came into our Sakara family. How long have they been in the family? So we started Sakara in 2012. They came in in 2015. Okay, so we so did the first good. three years... Mm-hmm. ourselves off of our $700. <laughs> good on you. So you've yeah. had three years of like a good relationship with an investor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. And we still like them. It is. Yeah. And still that in is love. That's yeah. awesome. That's great. We actually had someone um, tell us while we were like presenting to them that they would never invest in two women yes. again. That's correct. What? Right. <laughs> like, He's like, I'm not making that mistake I again. I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> we're Rude. Did you, Podcast I mean, over. Yeah. yeah. 
did you guys in I mean did you encounter any any of that dynamic oh. when you were oh, yes. doing the dog and pony show? One yeah. day, maybe we'll write a book about that. I know. We had a lot. I mean, Can we write the foreword? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you could write the foreword for the book that we're going to write about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so real. Yeah. It's not even, it's, it's, it, it was incomprehensible to me. Like I thought that, I thought naively, ignorantly that it was over, you know, that like women are in business and that story, that narrative is is dead and it's just so far from the truth. Yeah. I think men still control most of the money and it's a very different power dynamic when a woman says, here's my idea, I need money versus a man going in and saying, I have an idea, I need money. And I also think that, you know, we, I mean, we had, there were two of us, you know, we're tall and blonde. We had people hitting on us. We had people telling us, oh, no, you're too cute to... Too pretty have, to have a business. Right. Where's the guy that's going to come in and explain? Business. To have a successful business. Which, you know, we weren't too pretty to have a business. Just, right. <laughs> just, just to have a successful, successful one. one. And, yeah. and that we weren't a, a credible business until they found out who sits on our board. Right. Or like, how much revenue men. we're doing. And then yeah, they're like, oh, well, who runs the company? Right. You know, a lot of the questions early on were like, okay, but who's going to manage the money? And we're like, we just oh, turned yeah. $700 into many millions of dollars. Yeah. So we're going to manage so the I'm money. So sure we've been managing Yeah, and it, you're welcome. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. We never even hired a CFO until, like, we had a director of finance in our, like, last year mm-hmm. before we were acquired. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, my background is not finance. Neither Nor is yours. Not pretty sure we were able to figure it out though. yeah it is quite insulting though isn't it it's like such a different it's just such a different environment than than it you is. think it's going to be i feel like you automatically you walk in the room and you're dealing with doubt before you've even opened so you deal with that doubt even after you've established yourself right so oh, you yeah. had a mm-hmm. successful business yeah. so think about the women who are going to investors with just an idea and no track record yeah. and maybe that idea is a car or maybe it's blueprint potentially something successful down the road, but it's hard enough getting yeah. someone to believe in you when you have this track record of success, yeah. let alone not. Yeah. So, I mean, with that in mind, like what would you, what advice would you give to the women in Zoe's example? I'm just curious and, and that are I, starting with just the idea. You know, we learned, we would walk into the room and we would say, this is what we're going to do. And the numbers were really what we were going to do. Like there was no fluff. There was no inflating like, numbers or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, there's no razzle dazzle. It was just real. And we, we really, we didn't put anything on paper that we didn't believe in. And I think that men going in are very different. And it's not inflating. It's saying, here's the big dream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next year I'm going to do 700 million. And then when, next year I'm going to IPO. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I I think... In retrospect, what we could have done is just probably sell the dream a little more instead of being so literal mm-hmm. and being so realistic. Realistic. So which you I don't know if that's sold good the advice, steak but and not the sizzle. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is is the opposite of what people often um, assume about women, and I think it's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I think the man, you know, I'm going to just 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 throw the blanket. Just go yeah, there. throw down the blanket. <laughs> gross generalization. I think that men often, there is that little piece of ego that sort of takes over and it becomes very pie in the sky and very aggressive and ambitious. Mm -hmm. Not to say that women aren't ambitious. I think we're just more 
conservative or cautious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, you don't want to overpromise. Exactly. And deliver because and you want to like fool. You want to perform and you want to please. You want to do right. what you say you're going to do. And also, by the way, all of those, sorry for all the stereotypes, but all those men that have been saying, here's what I'm going to do. Now all these investors are so used to looking at your model and cutting your revenue in half and doubling your cogs. So we were walking in saying, no, 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 this is what we're actually going to do or better. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to like do what you usually do. Right, when right. You're We've already at. done that. Don't apply yeah. that formula yeah. test. Exactly. We're actually going to get it done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say another piece of advice um, would be to find the people who do believe in you. If that's your friends and your family, they're the ones who know you and who have seen how you are as a person, how you work, and that you're ambitious and that you're trustworthy. And it's definitely risky and it's definitely scary taking on money from friends and family. But um, if that's the only people who will give it to you and you can't start if you can't start the business without capital, like in all of our businesses, we're able to start it without capital. But I understand that there are some out there that can't. Um, and so you have to be, you have to have that much confidence in yourself and the ability to make this business work that you'd be willing to put some of your friends and family and that money at risk but maybe that will you know get you the money that you need to get started and also maybe some of the drive that you need to not give up Mm -hmm. because then it's not just you on the line now you're indebted yeah somebody else too and it's also amazing there are a lot of direct-to-consumer meal plans out there whether their kits are ready to eat now Mm -hmm. and you started in 2012 Mm -hmm. how did you deal with the fact that there was like this, that it was already very competitive. I mean, the landscape well, has certainly. Yeah, when we started, there was nothing. There was really like people told us. Bryn had started, but people told small. us when we started, like, what nobody's going to want healthy food delivered. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> also, what is Sacra? And you should probably just call it Healthy Meals <laughs> NYC. <laughs> when we started, it, it wasn't a sea of meal delivery. And, and so. Early on, we really got to kind of put a stake in the ground about what we were going to be. So you have obviously, you know, your fans that are writing you and telling you how much they love you. But I'm sure there's probably some haters in there, too. So how do you deal with them? You know, we because we were the customer service people for so long, I think we learned a lot about psychology and why people are usually angry. And it's usually not about you. You know, most of the time people are dealing with something that's not about you or your product. And so taking the personal out of it and most of the time people just, especially the kind of people that we attract that are looking for a life change, they're upset that they're not there yet. They're upset about something else. They're upset about a setback and they really just need to kind of talk and Mm -hmm. take it out on someone. So the way we think about training our our client service team is really helping them come from a place of compassion and not getting defensive. So if somebody's mad about something, not really just like answering their question and getting defensive back, well, blah, blah, blah. Um, I actually had a client teach me that really early on because we had a meal. It was called, it was like our taquitos or something. And it was made with charred leaves and it had, it said avocado came with it somewhere. Like avocado is in the name, but she got the meal 
She's like, there's no avocado in this. I was like, no, actually, it's in the dressing. And we went back and forth. And she's like, I feel like you're being really defensive and you're not hearing me. She said that. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, therapy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She was on the couch. No, but it really impacted me in the way I thought about handling future questions was she didn't want me to have the answer. She just wanted to complain. So whether I told her it was in the dressing or that it was out of the salad or that she was right, it didn't really matter. She just wanted to have an ear. And so all I had to do was hold space for her and say, okay, thanks so much for calling. You know, whatever it was. That's like what I try to explain to my husband sometimes. (laughs) I just want to be heard. Don't fix it. The answer is not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Make space for me. Just hold space. (laughs) To air my grievances. (laughs) And just listen. You should tell him to just say thank you and hang up the phone. Yeah. Like, (laughs) thank you for calling, Zoe. We've noted well, your problem. So noted your issue. You can call our CS team anytime. Okay. They will hold space for you. Yeah, they're the nicest. They're like angels. Maybe it, that's what we should make our eight hundred number. It's just hold space. Yes, we will hold space. <laughs> like just vent. Tell us. About Tell what us. You want. From taquitos to tocos. Yeah. <laughs> so you, Danielle, obviously are in a very transitional moment yes. being due with yes. your first baby tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, but what are you guys doing in general to sort of like what is your what's your own routine, your self-care? What are you guys? Do? I mean, obviously, you're walking the walk. We know this, but people want details. Mm. Like, what are you eating? What are you exercising? What are you mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. Well, we eat our own meals every day. Um, everybody in our office gets breakfast and lunch provided nice. every every day. That's awesome. We want our team to be feeling it, to be living it, to be able to talk about it with clients, to feel so it in their own bodies. And use high on your own supply is a good thing. In mm-hmm. this. Yes, it is. But I'm just going to say, you guys, we had we we also did the same thing. We had like, you know, you could have whatever juice, juice cleanses, whatever juice you want. It's always available. You know, we had like our juice our food program. I don't know how we got tipped off, but like we weren't there for a couple of days. We were like traveling. And like the whole office, like all the client services team, they all just like ordered McDonald's for like yeah. we days. saw it on the credit card receipt. And no. then, and then oddly, no. didn't you lose your credit card once? And whoever found it, the fraud that was committed was at McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> the, the, irony. the irony! It was amazing. I anyway, mean, we yeah. are really. I, I can't handle when people bring in bad food and I can't tell people not to but you know it's like I want everybody working there has to understand why all of these thousands of people are eating this way and choosing to and paying good money to and having them understand the why and be reminded of it all the time uh, is really important so we usually allow some things like on Fridays or birthdays <laughs> but yeah. even then it's like still always quality because I'm certainly the first well not when I'm pregnant but to reach for like a martini and and <laughs> french fries you know like it's never about what you can't eat but it is about the importance of focusing on what you do the majority of the time so the majority of the time if we're offering you Sakara, then yeah, you're taking it. Right. Yeah, you're taking it. Eat that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but self-care, you know, I feel like I've learned so much about self-care in this pregnancy. It's It used to feel like a luxury, and I used to have a lot of guilt. Like, I would never leave the office to go to a yoga class or acupuncture. And pregnancy just really taught me that self-care is not a luxury, that it's a necessity. And I can only give as much as I've given myself. And my motto throughout the pregnancy has been, because I learned the hard way, like my first trimester was tough and I 
wasn't doing the things I needed to, and you know, and I didn't tell anybody I was pregnant, so I was trying to like act oh, like everything isn't that was the normal. Worst? I'm I never doing that again. At her wedding, three <laughs> months pregnant, no one knew. I no. couldn't drink. I was the last to go on. No, Sorry. dear God, and you could see my yeah. belly button was already starting to pop out, and I was like, oh my God, everyone's <laughs> looking at my third nipple. No. <laughs> like, what is happening? It's like I will never do that again. The next time I'm pregnant, if I decide Just to have an number two, I'm telling everyone the minute I know because yeah. whatever this like shaming is that if something happens to the pregnancy that it's like I think it's horrible I think it's like this patriarchal need to to shame women or like that's where it comes from is like this medical idea that something's probably wrong with you if something happened but you know we have we have a medical board Dr. Aviva Ram is on it and she talks about you know if you ever god forbid lose a pregnancy like just remember that that means your body is actually working that that is yes. your body recognizing mm-hmm. that something mm-hmm. happened in the pregnancy and your body can no longer house it or hold it. And so it releases it. And that's actually a blessing. And remember that, you know, your body is doing exactly what it needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, did I don't know how I got on that train, but self-care. So, yeah. no, it's an interesting well, perspective, though. Well, I had a like, couple of uh, losses, too, beforehand, and it mm-hmm. didn't actually teach me that lesson. I was like, ooh, for my second pregnancy, I still was like, not had the fear. anybody. Yeah. Because it doesn't make it any easier if you have a loss. No. That you didn't tell anyone. No. You know, Absolutely. it's still there. If so anything, it's kind of it like, feels more shameful. Right. Yes, I know. So it is for everyone. No. Immediately, yeah. as soon as you Just see the, tell people, as soon as you pee on the stick. Because you know what? Every woman I know <clears throat> has had it happen. Yeah. Right. Like every woman I know. So I think there's also a way of like not feeling alone in it mm-hmm. and knowing that it's it's common right. also helps with the <clears throat> emotional part. But, you know, so my motto throughout this pregnancy has been, you know, I, I want to not give from my cup anymore, but I want to give from the saucer, like what's overflowing from my cup. And that means that I have to do a lot of work on self-care and making sure that I feel as full as mm-hmm. possible, um, which is a big promise. But it's one that's really helped me. One, I think, have an easy, enjoyable pregnancy mm-hmm. is just making sure I did take that time for self-care. So I'd say acupuncture and, and herbalism are two things that I didn't do before mm-hmm. and I think have drastically changed my experience of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, you know, it is hard to make the time and find the time and uh, to schedule it and, and make it part of your lifestyle. And so we do what we can, and we also bring that to the people on our team. So this morning we had a team meditation. We had somebody come in and give a guided meditation. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It was 36 minutes long. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was but we were all in that's the zone. Legit. Yeah, that's and it great. was funny that one of the girls on our team, she said, you know, she wasn't going to do it. And then she said, no, I probably should do it. I feel like I'm going to burn out this week. I just texted Erica, actually, maybe an hour ago, two hours ago. My inner voice needs to S the F up today. <laughs> <laughs> but you said fuck in your time. I did. <laughs> but listen, what is it? The FCC? No, we're not an actual radio. No. Um, say whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so those are the self-care things. Now, what is the indulgent? What are the things that you indulge in? Obviously, like pre-pregnancy. Because the <laughs> no. things that you indulge in, There's you just no like such sleep. Thing as, yeah. I mean, I not even, I can't, I haven't been able to sleep this and This is when it gets so impossible to sleep. Yeah, and everyone is like, just make sure you rest now because you're never going to sleep again. I'm like, that's so yeah. mean to say because I'm not sleeping yeah. right now. <laughs> like, it's like this cruel trick. I'm going to go into labor, like sleepless. 
exhausting. Yeah. It's like, it's like nature's way of just being like, hold on to your yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. You're tired. Like, it's you know, welcome get to parenthood. Yeah, you're going to be so much more tired <laughs> in like two weeks. Yeah. So I hear. But you know, the way we think about indulgences in general is we don't really believe in them like there's no such thing that you just eat what you want and you do what you want and the more you're eating healthfully the more you'll want to eat healthfully so for me when I was on my diet cycle it was like there were really strict things I could have and things I couldn't have and if I had the things I couldn't then I was off the wagon and then okay whatever I'll just have another martini or another thing of french fries whatever it was so the part of the transformation for me was releasing that and just realizing that there is no wagon to fall off of and it's just life and you do the best you can always and sometimes the best you can do is you know a thing of fried calamari and yeah. a nap no it's all <laughs> one martini right? instead of two yeah and i exactly and i think helping people understand that you know the joy factor is really important and we're certainly not here to tell you to eat kale all day every day and that's not the point but to do the best you can and then kind of the in-betweens to just make sure it's fun and that it's not, you know, there's no guilt around it and it's not, you know, like you feel like you're falling off the wagon. I like it. It's kind of like the Scientology approach. It's sort of like there is no such thing as homosexuality. (laughs) (laughs) There's no such thing as indulgence. This is the Sakaar life why it doesn't exist. So forget it. Nice try. Yeah. (laughs) But it's not like we don't have our things that we love. I'm a big chocoholic yeah. Oh, my God. I am, too. My husband and I spend a lot of money on fine chocolate. <laughs> I know. Oh, wait. What's your favorite chocolate brand? Because I could talk about this. Um, I'm really into Dick Taylor. Have you had Dick Taylor? No. Ugh, I think it's more good. popular on the West Coast. I don't know. It's heard not, there's no, a, not, have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, they have a fig one. It has, like, a sailboat just... on, the, on the front, right? Some of them Still do. Bad. It's, you know, small batch, yeah. mm-hmm. bean to bar. I don't know all the terminology. Uh, it <laughs> Delicious. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. I also like fine and raw. I like fine and I raw. I like fine and raw. They they They're started. Yeah. I went to a the... dance party in their chocolate factory. Really? That... In Bushwick, yeah. Okay, okay. Their original chocolate factory was the <laughs> apartment in my loft oh my building. Oh, that's right. On 151 Kent yes. Avenue. Yeah. This is like whenever they started a long time ago. They are yeah. delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you get to eat a lot of their chocolate? I didn't. I didn't. No. I didn't really know them then. Um, and I don't know them now. So. <laughs> but shout out to Fine and Raw. <laughs> Fine and Raw. Didn't know you then. Should we just now? put our addresses? But here's just now a word from our sponsors. But we... <laughs> You're welcome. They're going to sign right up for that endorsement. <laughs> anyway, so fun and raw. Yeah. I like Raka. I like Raka too. I, I've Raka? been to not a dance party, but uh, Raka in Red Hook. Uh, they do an amazing tour of their facility. They show you mm-hmm. everything. Like, if you ever want to wow. get into the chocolate business, go take their tour and you will learn. Wow. But it's amazing and their stuff is so good. All right. They have like mm-hmm. the coconut dark. Oh, it's just delicious. So shout out to Rock. They, they probably show you all the secrets of how they make it because they know how freaking hard it is. Yeah, I think that's probably to right. Do actually do it. And they're just like super excited to show you what they yeah. can do. Yeah, that's another reason to your question about other meal deliveries. Like, you know, the small ones pop up all the time. All and the time. Because, you know, when we, it was just Whitney and I and we were delivering to 30 people ourselves, like it was really hard, but it was doable, doable without you know, too much of an infrastructure. 
But the minute you get to 50 and then 100 and then 100,000, it's absolutely insane. And so it is nice. Sometimes we used to joke early on, like, why didn't we just start a sweater company? (laughs) You just put a sweater in a box. It doesn't go bad. (laughs) Oh, you guys know about shelf life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just so painful. Like, I don't know if there's a more difficult business than trying to deliver something fresh. You have to care so much to do this business. You have have to really be driven by more than just a dollar. Yeah. For you sure. Do. Uh, and, and it's funny because there is no barrier to entry for, that's why there are so many juice companies too, um, but the ones that actually scale are the right. ones that, yeah. you know. You can get into it, but that doesn't mean it's going to grow and right. go where you want it to. Mm-hmm. Were you guys just direct to consumer when you sold? No. 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 You were in stores. No. Yeah. We were, we were in, in Whole, Whole Foods. We started in Whole Foods three years into the business and then we were, we were beyond Whole Foods when we sold. When you went to retail, did you feel like that was a big shift in the business? Because you guys were programmatic, too. It was like yes. you sign up for Correct. three it days. Same. It was all education. Yeah. It was all about the message. Yeah. It was all about the, you know, it was, we're asking people to not eat food for right. days on end. Right. So it was like, let me spend an hour and explain to you why. Yeah. <laughs> no, we essentially created like a separate channel of the business for that reason. Because we didn't want people walking into Whole Foods and saying, oh, I can do my cleanse program here. So right. we created Blueprint Juice specifically so that it was not Blueprint Cleanse and people could visually see, okay, I'm just buying a one-off thing. That was definitely – so that was us listening to our consumer. That was like the Tribeca mom who was a big fan of Blueprint Cleanse going into Whole Foods and saying – Figure out how to get this on the shelf. Yeah. And so hope, they, they actually approached commit. us and they were like, how do you, how can we get this on the shelf? Right. And that's when we started doing our research and, you know, because it's unpasteurized. So then it was like, how can we have something legal on the shelf? Yeah. More than legal, just like, how can we sleep at night right. knowing yeah. that we're not going to repeat like the E. coli incident, yep. apple juice. Yeah. Um, but without pasteurizing it. And so that's when we figured out HPP. Which was like the that was, huge game changer. Yeah. yeah, nobody was really doing it then. I mean, nobody was. No. no. I mean, the guacamole companies were, but nobody was doing yeah, it. Yeah, it was. So right, no was one more was. more in food. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like cold cuts and like shellfish and um, mm. hummus. Wieners. I think. Uh, <laughs> was it, what was the Hebrew National? <laughs> they, wieners. Wieners. Mm. Um, oh, God, we can talk forever. Oh, my God. But I, yeah. I will say that you guys were definitely a part of our journey to getting to Saqqara mm-hmm. and in the discovery process of learning about our own bodies and our own health and doing the juice cleansing and saying, oh, I can feel good. And, and then saying, well, how do I extend this feeling beyond mm-hmm. right. three days? Yeah. That that was it. It did make an impact. And I remember learning about the two of you and, you know, like, OK, these girls can do it. Maybe we can do it, too. Oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's good. Nice. You guys are, like, crushing Thank it, too. I know. So you good. really are. It's good. I think we're in a really good time where people are really sick and tired of not feeling good. And yeah. people really, you know, it, I think there's distrust in um, how things have been done. And I think that, especially in terms of... You know, heading to your doctor. I always say that the microbiome is the future of medicine, and the way we th- we do medicine right now without the microbiome mm-hmm. is like the way we think of dentistry in the eighteen hundreds, just <laughs> barbaric and insane. And mm-hmm. yeah, and you know that the the future of medicine really is on your plate, and I think people are just just starting. 
to understand that. So it's as really Oprah good would time. say, tweetable moment. <laughs> it is a tweetable moment. <laughs> the future of medicine is on your plate. That's <laughs> true. I love that. Love Oprah. We need to put that in our cookbook. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm t- I've been listening to a lot of her podcasts. <laughs> Wait, she has podcasts? Oh, uh, it's so good. It's not her session. Super sessions? soul. Yeah. Super soul. Super soul. Mm. That okay. has become the podcast, basically. Mm. So speaking so of Oprah and speaking of plates. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's time for our favorite question. Your fantasy dinner party. Oh. Besides Oprah, who is invited? Does everyone say Oprah? Um, no. A lot of people do. Really into kind of like uh, physics and things like that right now and the laws of the universe. And so I kind of would want... Um, Isaac Newton there, and then also maybe like some sort of Tibetan monk or, you know, Buddhist. A llama, perhaps. A llama, perhaps, yeah. (laughs) Have you guys? But I, because I feel like they talk about a lot of the same things, but just in different um, language. Yeah. Yeah, from different angles. And so I'm really into this right now, and I'd love to. Kind of like yeah, oh, I like people that. in this conversation. Have you guys seen What the Bleep Do We Know? Yes, I love okay, that we're movie. We're just going to invite every person. Oh, everybody that was on <laughs> yeah. that movie. That yeah, like every expert. Movie. I love that movie. <laughs> That's our it's dinner party. What? Oh. I need to oh, see and it. the part oh. where they put like the words on the water. Oh, yeah. I mean, right, and don't ruin it. Spoiler alert. The crystallization yeah. of the no, there's no spoiler alert. We cannot no, spoil this no. movie. There's so it's many a really surprises. Long movie too. <laughs> it's so everyone in that movie. It's that you're so doing. weird, but it's it's a must watch. Yeah. Um, it's it the importance of thoughts. How thoughts impact us. You're and it's not just like oh, you know, the spiritual side, but they bring it into the, the scientific realm, and they're like, mm-hmm. this is actually like physically Very what tangible. is happening. Yeah, and like yeah. what is happening when you think a thought mm-hmm. and how it impacts your life. Um, so everyone that they interview also happens to be really kooky and fabulous and amazing. <laughs> yeah. Your and, cells are eavesdropping on your thoughts. Yeah, exactly. It's true. Totally it's true. true. That's an amazing movie. You have to I'm watch that too. I'm planning to. Everyone yeah. listening has to watch that. 100%. So if you like string theory and... Um, quantum physics. And quantum physics. I like this dinner. I like... And getting caught in the rain. Wait, we need a couple more people here to round right. it up. So we're definitely <laughs> serving pina coladas at this yes. time. <laughs> All right, two more people. Ooh, let's invite somebody really hot and sexy. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Just wait. for fun. Somebody pretty to look at. I don't know. Somebody to jump out of a cake, perhaps. Maybe like, um, who is that Latin singer that I used to really like? Oh, Enrique Iglesias. Enrique Iglesias. All right. Okay. You might be looking for a dinner invite. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I want to say Brad Pitt, but that's like saying Oprah, right? (laughs) (laughs) He can come, too. He's, like, available now. I think he'd be open. Maybe he could bartend. And he's good with kids. Yes. Or sure, you're going to need a manny. (laughs) Or maybe he's horrible with children. And that's We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Too much speculation. (laughs) Too much. I know. (laughs) Me and my crush generalization. (laughs) Um, and then right. you guys obviously are obviously oh awesome yeah I can all <laughs> and we're gonna have martinis and juice martinis and juice martinis love it how fun oh you guys it's been amazing yeah, to meet so you nice and actually have a conversation thanks for coming over in yeah. our closet yeah. this is literally like four point five people very tall <laughs> yeah. stuff we are actually all but the lighting is really room. nice yeah wait till nice. you get outside you're gonna be like ah. I know it's we're gonna the, take some photos in here instead the fluorescence yeah. 
Um, All right. Okay, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Congratulations. Good luck and congratulations. Oh my God. Thank you. Are you having a girl? Yes. Yeah. Girl. Tomorrow. Tomorrow <laughs> at four p.m. Yes. yes. <laughs> Tune in because I want to get to bed on time. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We'll be posting it to Instagram Live. Oh my god. <laughs> Tune in. Oh my god. Could you imagine? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Highway to Well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Highway to Well Podcast. Or if you have more time to hang out with us, check out our product reviews. Send us your ideas for guests or topics. And learn more about our guests at highwaytowellpodcast.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app.